that he is a wonderful Savior. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to the Gospel of Mark, <clears throat> the eighth chapter. We're going to begin reading from the 18th verse. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did I take up? And they said, seven. And so he said to them, how is it you do not, do not understand? Or another translation says, you do not remember. How is it that you do not understand? How is it that you do not remember? I want to talk with you this morning about the power of memories. Because there's a, there's a strength, there's a, there's a might in memory. And as we go through this, and, and, it's, and it's biblical. And so I want to show you some of those things. And so, Father, as we've come together here today, we thank you for your word that it's, it's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder that which is soul from that which is spirit. And, Father, we want to hear from the spirit today. And so we yield to you. We yield to the Holy Spirit, the great teacher, that he might speak to each of our hearts. For Father, we want your will to be done. We'll give you all the praise and the glory because you're worthy of it. And we're so thankful today for this is a day that you've made. And we're rejoiced and we're, we're so glad in it because it's another day, another opportunity that we have to serve you. And so have your way, and we pray it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's, what's interesting is usually where there's a miracle, there's a boat ride that goes along with it. And, uh, you know, we may not get in a boat, but what we find out is in our life that there's a, there is a boat ride. There's a period of testing that follows after it. And it's interesting with the disciples what happened after there was a miracle where there was a demonstration of God's might and his power. That we have, we have three different examples in the scriptures where right after that, they took a boat ride. And uh, Jesus had just supernaturally met the needs of the people. And next thing you know, they're, they're off in a boat. And the reason that there was difficulty that took place with them was that they didn't understand the teaching. And oftentimes what happens is 
We, we experience a miracle and we just see it as a miracle. Because whether you realize it or not, every one of us in this room have experienced miracles. Maybe we've not acknowledged it. Maybe we've not seen it as such. But all of us have experienced miracles in our life. But oftentimes, we don't learn what we were supposed to learn from the miracle. And that's why we, we enter, encounter difficulty. But I want to look at the disciples. They encountered miracles and and then there was a, a boat ride that took place afterwards. And the first one, uh, we, we find in Mark again in the fourth chapter. Jesus had just got done teaching about the teaching the parables. You know, what was, the, what was the point of the parables? The point of the parables, they were, they were giving us spiritual principles, and he used a, a physical demonstration. So really what a, what a parable is, is a, a natural principle laid down alongside a spiritual principle to help us gain understanding. And so Jesus had just, had just taught these, his disciples on the parables, and, and obviously they didn't get it because then we see in the fourth chapter that there was this boat ride. And it begins in the 35th verse of Mark 4. And it says, and on the same day, in other words, he had just finished up teaching on the parables. And on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. You know, and part of what was taught in the parables is the, uh, the power, the strength in what we say and so forth. And so Jesus said to him, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the <clears throat> multitude, he took them along in the boat as, as, he was, as, as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, that's, you know, usually the cry that we have, Lord, don't you even, don't you even care about me? And he rose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it? that you have no faith. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the winds and the seas obey him? And he says, why is it that you're so fearful? Why are you so fearful after the truths that I've just shared with you? Why are you so fearful? And then we go on and we, they had another boat ride and you go over to the the sixth chapter, and here Jesus had uh, just fed the multitudes. And we get down to Mark 6, verse 45. Immediately, he made his disciples, this is Jesus, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go, bo and go before him to the other side, to Bethesda, while he sent the multitudes away. 
And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining at oaring, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. So he's walking, they've been out rolling for who knows how long, and he's, he's about to pass them by, walking right on by on the water. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and they cried out. Uh, for they all saw him and were troubled. Well, they were more than troubled. They thought they were done for. You know, some of you have heard this, but you know, the seamen of the day, they believed that when they were about to die in a storm, they would see the phantom come to get them. And so they thought when Jesus, they thought it was a ghost, well really what they thought it was the phantom coming to get them. So they're more than just a little bit troubled. They, they were thinking, uh, this is it, we're done for. And uh, they cried out, they were troubled, but immediately he called to them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. For they had not understood, listen to this, for they had not understood about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. You see, <clears throat> they were supposed to have learned something concerning the loaves and the fishes, and obviously they didn't because they were troubled. And so then we, earlier we had read about the third storm that they had gone through. Jesus had just done his miracle with the loaves and the fishes for the second time. And again, here we are the third time, and they failed the test. You know, James says, let no man say when he's tempted that he's tempted of God. And what he's talking about there, if you, you, you study that, what you find out, what he's saying is, let no man when, say when he's tempted with evil that he's tempted of God. God will never tempt you with evil because he, ha he doesn't have any evil to tempt you with. That's the evil one that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But <clears throat> there are tests that come our way. But the test is not a test for us to fail, it's a test for us to succeed in. Because it's the trying of your faith that produces patience. Patience there doesn't mean to put up with. Patience there means to be constant to be the same, whether things appear to be going wonderful or whether you have difficulty in your life, the test comes for you to be able to succeed, to say, here comes this test, but it doesn't move me. Because I put my trust, I put my confidence in Almighty God 
And so it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter how I feel. I know in this circumstance, in this situation, I'm going to overcome because the greater one lives within me. For therein lies our victory. It's not in our ability to deal with circumstances in our life. It's within our ability to put our trust and our confidence in God and in Him alone. And so, with each one of these tests, there was a storm that, that rose up. <clears throat> you know what? <laughs> you ever notice this? It seems like when something wonderful or marvelous happens in your life, it seems like there's something that happens. And you know why it happens? It happens to steal your joy. It happens to steal your peace. It happens to get your eyes off of what God accomplished for you and to get you focused on the circumstance and the situation. Because you know what? As long as you focus on the circumstance and on the situation, you think you've got to do something about it. And the moment that we think we've got to handle it, we stop putting our trust we stop putting our confidence in God. In the first boat ride, Jesus told them they were gonna pass over to the other side. But during the storm, what did they do? They woke up Jesus and they were full of fear, fear for their lives. But see, Jesus had given them the word. He had said, we're going to the other side. And so what happened is they began to trust the circumstances more than they trust the Word of God. Now we can all identify with that. Amen, don't look at me with that tone of voice. You know, we, we can all identify with that where we've, we've put our trust, we've begun to look at the circumstances rather than trust the Word that was given. In the second storm, boat ride, they ran into the storm and, and they were struggling with fear because they were having difficulty rolling the boat. And then what happens? Jesus showed up and Jesus had to rescue them again. But what did Jesus say? He said, go on ahead and I'm going to meet you on the other side. But once again, they allowed the circumstances to dictate to them. In the story today, the third boat ride, Jesus warned his disciples of the leaven, the false teaching of the Pharisees. Now we know the Pharisees, they were the, the religious people of the day. They're the ones that would say, well, <clears throat> you know, you can't, you can't just simply ignore the circumstances. You know, you've got to do your part and and there is a part that we play. But the part that we play is putting our trust and our confidence in the completed works of Jesus. And so religion, the Pharisees, they'll always try to draw you away from the simplicity, from simply trusting the Word of God. <clears throat> they thought he was speaking of lack 
that they didn't take enough bread with them. They didn't understand. He said something about the teachings of the Pharisees. They didn't understand. He, they, they thought he was talking about bread when he said the bread of the Pharisees. But really, what they were supposed to do, they were to understand what really took place. When Jesus fed the thousands, in Mark the eighth chapter in the 13th verse, it says, and he left them and getting into the boat, he departed to the other side. They forgot what Jesus had told them. You see, what he gives us, he gives it to us, and we're to do it in remembrance of him. Drop down to the 18th verse. That's actually where I wanted us to go. Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Having eyes, we oftentimes don't see. Having ears, we oftentimes don't hear. Why? Because we don't remember. We don't remember what God's done for us. We don't remember what Jesus has done for us. Now let's go back up to the 13th verse in Mark 8. And he says, And he left them, and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now to this, the disciples had forgotten to take bread. And they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And then he charged them saying, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we haven't taken bread. Had nothing to do with the bread. But you know, what's interesting is it tells us that they had one loaf of bread with them. They took one loaf with them. But you know what they did with the rest? They left it on the shore. You know, oftentimes when God's moved in our life, what we do is we, we might take a portion, but the majority of it, we leave it on the shore. But where we need it is in the midst of the storm. Does any of this make any sense to you? Because in the midst of the storm is where we need to be reminded of what God's done for us. We don't want to leave the fragrance, the fragments. We don't want to leave the remembrance of what took place in our life. We don't want to leave it on the shore. We need to take it home with us. Now what's, what's interesting is oftentimes what happens is we don't remember. You know, I've always said, <clears throat> As a Christian, you can't live your Christian life off of miracles. It takes the Word of God. But you know, a miracle 
can have a tremendous impact upon your life. If you remember the miracle, if you remember the source of the miracle, but oftentimes what we do is we, we lose sight of it. Do you realize that fear is always future? Fear is concerning what's gonna happen to me. Faith is future as well, but yet there's an element of faith that draws from the past because it draws from what we know. And so what we've experienced with God is what can encourage us in the future. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's only one way that faith comes into our life. It's by hearing the word of God, by receiving the word of God in our life. But what takes place in our life as we look to it can be a tremendous encouragement in our life. Not only for today, but for the future. The miracle that you experienced, maybe it was healing in your body. That miracle was to bring healing into your body for that present moment. But there was an element of that miracle that was to carry on. There was to be a residue of that for your future to encourage you in faith so that when the attack comes against you, you can say as David, I killed the lion, I killed the bear. What is this uncircumcised Philistine to me? You, killed, you healed me of the cold. You healed me of the flu. You healed me of this. What is this to me? It's nothing more than the other. But if we don't hang on to those things, if we let go of them, what do we have? You know, the children of Israel, what's interesting about, and of course they didn't have the words we have it today, but the children of Israel never grew in faith. They feared in every situation that came their way. You know, when we're walking in faith, fear ought to be going by the wayside. But with the children of Israel, fear dominated them. Why? Because they forgot. They forgot the 10 plagues God protected them from and brought them through. They forgot the Red Sea, the bitter waters of Moriah, the abundance of water at Mediah, they also forgot the miracles of food and water every day for 40 years. They had enough miracles, memories of miracles to last a lifetime. Yet they refused to remember yesterday, much less last year of God's grace and faithfulness. You see, we live today we live victorious today, but part of our living victorious today is dependent upon remembering what God did for us yesterday. Let's not make the mistake that the Israelites made, even the disciples made. Let's stop. I think there's an old song along these lines. Let's stop and count our blessings. But you know what? We need to do that. They left the bread, their memory, on the shore. 
they didn't have that taste to remember the abundance of God. We need to have that remembrance in our life. You know, God gave Israel memorials. We go, we read through the Old Testament and we, 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 we see all these festivals and everything that they had. <clears throat> One of the main points behind everything that God instituted for the children of Israel, it was to be a reminder to them. They were to remember what God had done for them. The word memorial comes from the word remember. You know, we have Memorial Day. Why do we have Memorial Day? It's a day to remember. It's, to re it's a day to remember those that served us in, in the military that, that fell on the battlefield. It's the day to remember those that served. But you know what? It's also a day that we remember our loved ones and so forth. You know, we, we go along the highways and there's people that put flowers or a cross along the highway where there was an accident where, where somebody lost their life and, and they, they put it there as a memorial to remember that. We have highways and bridges. If you're going to Des Moines, you cross a bridge. It's in remembrance of an of officer that, that gave his life. And, and so in different places we have Memorials, highways are named after individuals, politicians or military folk. Why? To remember them. God gave Israel memorials in the Old Testament and gave us memorials in the New Testament. The Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. One of its main functions was that it was a, it was a memorial. Listen to this in Hebrews the ninth chapter. Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Stay with me. We're going to get to some things here, but we've got to get the background first. Hebrews, the ninth chapter in the third verse. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid with all, on all sides with gold, in which there, were, uh, golden, th there was a golden pot that held the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, the tablets of covenant, and above it were the cherubim, golden and overshadowed the mercy seat. But <clears throat> the thing that I want us to see, in, in, within the ark, it says there was the pot of manna, it's a reminder to Israel that God never failed to provide for them food all the while that they were in Egypt. God never failed them. It was to be a reminder to them that God never failed them. Adam's rod that budded brought to remembrance their daily connection with God through the priesthood and daily forgiveness of sins. It was that reminder to them through the priesthood. Thank God we don't have to go through a priest, priesthood anymore. We have direct access to God. But that was the reminder to them. It was to be a reminder to them that they always had access to God. The tablets of stone reminded them of God's faithfulness 
to keep his promises and laws and never forget his covenant. You know, we forget about that part of it with the law. Oftentimes, we want to look at the law from the standpoint of the requirements towards us. But truly, the reminder of the, the, the law was the covenant that God was never going to break to his people. The Sabbath was a, was a weekly memorial. The Sabbath, Saturday, was a day to stop working and remember the goodness of God for his provision for the previous week. Israel was commanded to keep the Sabbath day holy by remembering it. Exodus 20, verse 8, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But what was the point? It was to remember, to re be reminded of God's goodness. There were many yearly memorials. The Passover reminded Israel of God's power to deliver them, deliver them through the Red Sea. It was a reminder to them. That's why they practiced it. And that's why they were to honor that day in remembrance. Exodus 13, 3. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. It was a reminder that God brought you out, that God brought you through. You know what? We're to have memorials in our life. We're to have monuments in our life that remind us of God's provision, that remind us that God is faithful, that God is good, that he's never gonna leave us or forsake us. The same is true of many other memorial days that he gave them through the year. Israel was commanded to remember the Feast of Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, Pentecost, the, the Feast of Trumpets, Atonement, the Tabernacle. Why? It was to be continual reminders to us. You know why? Because we forget. We don't like this terminology, but it's true. Out of sight, out of mind. And so we have to have these reminders in our life over and over again. Then every seventh year, a sabbatical for the land was declared in which the land was supposed to rest. They planted no harvest. And why was that a reminder? It was a reminder that I am not my source. God is my source. And so I put my trust in him. Finally, every seventh Sabbath for the land, a jubilee was declared during the 50th year. It was interesting in my reading through the Bible in a year. <clears throat> my reading today in Deuteronomy actually talked about this very fact, the jubilee, and how it was given as a reminder, and how part of the jubilee was to, to remember the poor, remember those whose lands were taken from them and restored unto them. And within it, he said, <clears throat> now, now don't be fearful of doing this. This is Schroeder's paraphrase. 
Don't be fearful of doing this knowing that I am the one that's your source. I'm the one that's going to provide for you. And so don't be afraid to give back. And then, the one thing every memorial celebration had, it was a reminder of the goodness of God. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, generationally. It was all a reminder. And so we see it throughout the scripture, throughout the Old Testament, where these, there's these reminders to them. You know, <clears throat> for centuries, the bones of Joseph were stored in a coffin as a memorial to the promise that God would deliver his people from slavery and bring them back home to Israel. Remember when, when Joseph died, he said, don't bury me in, in Egypt. Bury me in Israel. And so for all those years, the bones of Joseph were not buried. And when they crossed the Red Sea, right behind the Ark of the Covenant was the coffin that was carrying Joseph. And that coffin of Joseph was to be a reminder to them of the promise of God that you will not remain in this land, but I have a promise for you. We're gonna go over and you're gonna possess the land. And the bones of Joseph were not buried until Israel had conquered the land, fulfilled the promise that God had given them. In Joshua 24, 32, it says, the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground that Jacob had bought from the sons of Haram, uh, Hamar, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, and which had become an inheritance to the children of Joseph. Isn't it interesting how that land was passed from generation to generation through all those years, had across the Red Sea with them, and they had come into the land. But then let's look at one more scripture that talks about this. In Joshua, the fourth chapter, and in the first verse, and it says, and it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan. Here's another memorial. That the people spoke to Joshua saying, that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourself 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, take for yourself 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priests feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joseph called the 12 men whom he had pointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, 
that this may be a sign among you when, with, when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were covered over before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. Then it crossed over the Jordan, the water of the Jordan they cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And so what's he doing? He's given them memorials to remember, to prove, to be reminded of God's faithfulness and how God will never fail us or forsake us. There ought to be memorials in our lives. Every time you bless your food, it's not supposed to be just a religious motion that we go through. And yes, we speak it in, over it in faith and bless it. But you know what? Every time we eat a meal and we bless our food, we're reminded that God is the source, that God is the one that provides for us. We have our weekly memorials as we attend church and fellowshipping with members of God's family that we're going to spend eternity with. What's, what's the significance of it? It's a reminder to us of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You know, I don't know about you. Of course, I, I can't speak now because <clears throat> I think in the last, you know, once a year we miss church. When we go on vacation, forgive us, Lord, for we have sinned. You know, but we, we go on a brunch once a year on Sunday morning. You know, and other than that, you know, we don't miss. But, but the problem is you, you miss one Sunday. It's one thing if you miss two Sundays. It seems to be no big deal if you miss three Sundays. It, there's something that happens with it. Why? Out of sight, out of mind. But what's, what's the importance of Sunday morning? Sunday morning is saying, Lord, I can't survive without you. I need you in my life. And so our weekly celebration, monthly, we celebrate Holy Communion. And what does it say about Holy Communion? Well, it says it in 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is concerning Jesus, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper. This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Why do we have to be reminded? Because we forget. We have yearly celebrations. Thanksgiving, Christmas. In a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating Easter. Why do we do that? Is it just so that we can have Easter eggs and have a new outfit? No, it's to be a reminder to us of the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why is Thanksgiving important? Well, it's important because we get together, get together as a family and have a gluttonous meal together and watch football. No, we're reminded 
of how thankful we are of the goodness of God. It's all a reminder to us. And every time we pray, and every time we worship, what is it? It's a reminder to us of the goodness of God. Already read from it, Psalms 103 too. Don't forget all of his benefits. You know what? You will never convince me that these memorials are important. You know, some people when they, I don't even know what, what street it is, but the old open Bible church where Harold preached for so many years. I drive by there and you know, everybody else sees an apartment building. I drive by there and I'm reminded of the first time I ever experienced a Pentecostal experience. Some people drive south of town and they turn off on the gravel road just before the curve and they drive down a couple of miles there and they just see a bunch of trees after they've crossed the creek. I see the house back by the trees where Vernon Lewis lived. And I'm reminded of that Saturday morning when myself and three other guys sat in front of the fireplace and I prayed and I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. You drive down Main Street of Ankeny, Iowa. Main Street isn't out where the mall and all that kind of stuff is. Main Street goes right down town and towards the west end of the old Main Street is, I don't know what it is now, but it used to be the old Assemblies of God's Church. And it's a memorial to me because I remember the night that Pastor Becky and I were at some special services there. And there was an altar call given for those that believed that they were called into the ministry. And Pastor Becky and I went forward and received the call that was upon my life. It's a memorial in my life. That's something that I look back to. You know, I remember the day sitting in my office when before we had the building out here and I was sitting in my office at the church and going through the Des Moines Register looking for a plumbing job thinking I don't need this pastoring thing. I just, I just don't need this. But there was just one thing that I, I couldn't deal with. I could have walked away from the, the whole thing. I'm trying to think of some nice funny word to use but I couldn't think of anything. So thing. But I had that memory, First Assembly of God in Ankeny, Iowa, when I received the call of God in my life. And I can deny everything else, but I can't deny that. You see, you need to remember, you need to remember what Jesus has done in your life. Because when you remember, when you focus on that, you realize, I don't, have, I don't have a choice here. I've got to follow after him. You say, well, pastor, I'm, I'm not sure that's that important. Out of sight, 
out of mine. Now, some of you are going to think I'm a horrible individual for what I'm about to say. But two years ago, my dad went home to be with the Lord. And I do not sit around thinking about my dad. In fact, I probably think about Donna's dad more than I think about my dad. And it isn't because I loved Donna's dad more than my dad, but it's because every time I look out this window, I see the flagpole that was put out there as a memorial to him. And every time I look at that flag, I'm reminded of Bill Eklund. Highway 30, to some of you, is a route to get to Carroll. I don't go to Carroll very often. But when I go to Carroll, I get about out to where Doc Carber lives. Right across the street, road from Carber, is a cemetery. In that cemetery is a man that I had the opportunity to minister to in his last days, Claire Carnes. And so when I drive by there, I don't think of anything about Claire Carnes about, but about the opportunities that we had to speak in those last days. And that's a fond memory of mine. Then I get about a mile and a quarter past Scranton. And I look off to the south and I see this cemetery there. And that's where Grant is buried. And I go by there and I don't have any negative thoughts. I see this face that I'll never forget. That every time he walked into the room, if you didn't smile, you needed to get saved. The finger in the air, I see Grant. I'm reminded of Grant. There's a tombstone there. But just the fact that I'm in the area, there's, there's a reminder to me. Go out this direction, an old 30, and I remember Tracy Davis. And I don't have any negative, I just remember the wonderful person that she was. But you know what? Why, why, do we, why do we have those things? They're memorials. They're to remind us of something. What are the memorials that you have in your, now, now going back to dad, I love my dad. And so I'm thinking about my dad right now and you know, I miss him. When I went to see mom when she was in the hospital a while back, drove by the cemetery and you know, remembered all about it. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? but I don't have that constant reminder in my life. What's the constant reminders that you have in your life? Do they remind you of the things that are significant, the things that are important? Or do you go from week to week and just, it's not important. Why is it important? 
because it goes back to those boat rides. Those boat rides, each and every one of them, is an example of the disciples' failure to remember what Jesus had just done for them. We need to take advantage of the, the, the remembrances that we have in our life that remind us of what Jesus has done in our life. Because I'll tell you what happens so often. We wait till crisis time. And crisis time is a difficult time to get focused. It's a difficult time to think on what we're supposed to think on. But you know what? When it's been a part of every moment, of every day, it's not difficult because it's part of us. The miracle that you experienced through Christ Jesus, the leftovers are what you to carry with you every day of your life as a constant reminder of the provision of God in your life. Every time I mention the basement of Vern Lewis's house, I see faces all over the room that smile and say, here we go again. But you know what? That day may not be important to you. But to me, that day was the greatest miracle that I ever experienced in my life. And the residue of that I carry with me every moment of every day because of what it represents. And you see, the same thing is true of each and every one of you. Maybe, maybe you remembered the day. You know, nobody told me I was supposed to remember the day that I got born again. So I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't know what the date was. All that I know is it was. And I know what he did. What's Jesus done in your life? You know, when we get down, when we get depressed, when we get discouraged, it's always because we're looking at conditions and circumstances around us. The disciples got fearful because they were looking at the conditions and the circumstances around them. Water and more water. But they forgot to look to Jesus. And because they were so distracted, even when they saw Jesus in the second account, they were fearful. because they didn't know the one walking towards them 
was the answer, the solution to their problem. There's a lot of people, because they haven't focused on the truth and the reality of the Word of God, they still see Jesus as part of the problem. I love the songs we sang today. Because we serve a good God who has good intentions for each and every one of us if we'll but accept and receive it. Don't allow anything to distract you from remembering what Jesus has accomplished for you. The miracle that you experienced wasn't just for that moment. It was to sustain you in the future, today. Today is your day of salvation. Today is the day that Jesus has provision for you to meet every one of your needs, no matter how big it may be. Maybe it looks like an impossibility. It looked that way for the disciples. But the moment that, he, that Jesus was acknowledged, that he was recognized, help was released. It had been there all the time, but they had forgotten about it. Let's not forget. For some of us, it may be necessary for us to sit down and record those events in our life that had that tremendous impact because we spent so little time dwelling on them, remembering them, it's as if they were never there. Comes a point where if you have to write it down, because if you're here this morning, I can guarantee you, God has moved in your life in miraculous ways. And find those signposts. Find those memorials. Keep track of those memorials and rehearse those memorials. Because this isn't negative, it's just the truth. Difficult days will come. And just because difficult days come doesn't mean you've missed it. In each of those storms, the disciples had not missed it. They were to go to the other side. They missed it because they began to dwell upon the circumstance and not the promise. Just because you seem to be going to, through a storm doesn't mean you've missed it. Get your eyes back on the answer. That's Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I gotta quit, I don't know how. 
Praise the Lord. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And somebody says, praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your goodness, for your love. Father, right now, the circumstances that we may be encountering that seem impossible, we know with you, all things are possible. That we may not be able to accomplish it in our own strength, but that just simply brings us to a place where we need to put our trust and confidence in you. You're their overcomer. You're the one that we trust. You're the one that will never fail us. You're the one that have given us those miracles, those memorials that we can look to, that we can stand upon and know that though the ground under us may feel shaky, we'll not lose ground because of you and what you've done for us. And so, Father, we thank you that we can trust you in every possible situation. We ask you to lead us and that when we get your word, we'll follow it and we'll not be distracted by the things around us, but that we'll follow you. And so, Father, I thank you for these precious ones that have come out this morning. Father, I speak a blessing upon them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Father, where our memorials have seen to wear thin, I pray, Father, we'll strengthen them. And that through that, we'll be encouraged. And through that encouragement, we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as you go, go in his peace and his strength. Give somebody a hug, let them know you love them. And have a blessed day in Jesus' name.